Hi, welcome to Offscript Film Review. I'm Zach Lewis. And I'm Dr. Draper. Today on the show, we're celebrating 200 episodes of Offscript. Oh my God, Woo! Andy. <laughs> 200. Can you believe 200. it? 200. Good Lord. And what, Roughly, a, and what, a, what a long, strange trip it's been. Huh? That's right. God. Roughly five years. We started this in 2017 in November. <laughs> Our first film was Justice League, the Joss Whedon Justice League. Yeah. Uh, the the quick math on five years of podcasts is we should have a few more episodes than two hundred. So I, I don't know what happened to those, but it's fine. We take a holiday off every now and slow again. weeks. Today on the show, it's true. Today it's true. Uh, we, there was a pandemic in there. Good lord, that was a whole thing. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> today on the show, we were podcasting before it was cool. It's true. I'm so excited to say that we're doing something much more exciting than our episode one hundred. Uh, we just went back and looked. Our episode one hundred was a low key episode. Not. This week, not on this week's Offscript Film Review. This week we're talking about Avatar, The Way of Water, one of the most exciting films of the year. It is out. We've seen it. We're excited to talk about it. At least one of us is. <laughs> we're also <laughs> going to talk about uh, our top 10 films of the year. What a great way to, to bring in episode 200, wrap up the year. It's perfect. The timing couldn't be better. We're going to talk about the news, of course. We need to get to it. And also we're going to do a little bit of reflecting on our uh, 200 episodes. So stick around for that bit of a bit of a sincere moment at the end of the show i mean the whole thing's sincere but you, you get what i mean anyway we should jump into the news our first story this week uh james gunn is writing a superman movie which is weird to say uh th those of you who may not be up on the news uh james gunn is the new creative ceo of dc cinematic universe uh and he has decided he is going to be the guy to put together the next superman flick uh, this comes hot on the heels of some news about henry cavill no longer being a part of the superman uh mythos at least for now uh huge news huge news henry cavill out of superman <laughs> james gunn writing a superman movie andy where, where do we where do we start with this so the yeah the bigger news is that uh henry cavill will not be reprising his role as superman the man of steel even though t not two months ago he made a weird cameo at the end of Black Adam, you know, insinuating that he was coming back. And uh, there is allegedly some sort of Man of Steel 2 movie in development. All that has been canned. Cavill is out as Superman. However, he could possibly return as another character in the DCEU or maybe even, you know, do some Elseworld thing. Another universe where his character comes back as Superman. Who knows? But he's in, in whatever these new steps that dc is taking henry cavill is not a part of it at this moment which is happening to a number of uh characters in dc <laughs> yeah it is uh cavill's departure i think is a really bu big bummer for a lot of fans uh he also announced right right around the time he announced he was coming back to superman that he was leaving netflix as the witcher uh that seems to be for creative differences as far as the writing goes uh i don't think that's necessarily just because he was going to devote all his time to superman or anything if anything uh, we found out since that he is currently in the works uh, for for starring in a, a Warhammer 40k series for Amazon. They're, they're working on that, out, working that out right now. But uh, after Black Adam comes out, he makes an announcement on Instagram: "I'm coming back as Superman." It goes viral. Everybody loves it, right? We we got Cavill back as Supes. Not anymore. He announced on Instagram, writing, I will, after all, not be returning as Superman. After being told by the studio to announce my return back in October prior to Gunn and Saffron's hire, this news isn't the easiest, but that's life. Changing the guard is something that happens. Uh, I, wish them all, I wish them and all involved with the universe the best of luck and happiest of fortunes. Um, I think, in general, people are not excited about this news, right? Like, am I yes, crazy? Pe people were really upset, but I think people are remembering things differently. Um, Henry Cavill... He was, in my opinion, kind of wasted, uh, or his potential was wasted uh, by Zack Snyder on these Superman movies. He, Let's recap. He did three movies total. Only three movies as Superman. He did Man of Steel, Batman, three. V, Sir, Batman v, v, v Superman, and Justice League um, in 2017. He has not played that character in five years. So he, we've really only got five, five years of that character. But people seem to be remembering that people act like he was in ten movies and that he was... You know, he looks great in the suit. Like, he looks the part so much. Um, unfortunately, he was in two mediocre movies and one kind of okay one. Uh, it And like I said, I think he's great for the character, but I think people just kind of have some rose-colored glasses about, uh, the you know, Superman's past uh, the last 10 years. And unfortunately, like I said, I think his potential was wasted. It's true. Uh, Gunn's script, as far as we know, uh, is going to be exploring Clark Kent while working at the Daily Planet. They're looking for a younger Superman 
and they were pretty clear, at least from the sound of it, that they are not they are not saying they're not going to work with them anymore. Just they're going to put these actors on ice a minute. They're going to they're let them sit. They're going to let them simmer. Uh, they're going to work on other stuff for now. I don't think that's such a bad thing. Like Andy said, it would be super easy to bring back Cavill in a movie later, right? Just in any in any DC movie, a portal could rip open and Henry Cavill's Superman could step out, and people would instantly want want to know what's going on. Like they're they're easily you could drop him in anywhere, right? You could have a reveal just like at the end of Black Adam if you want. Uh, I, I liked his uh, Cavill's comment on this before he. Uh, wrapped up his Instagram post. He said, Superman is still around. My turn to wear the cape is past. What Superman stands for never will. It's been a fun ride with you all. Onwards and upwards. So, hearts out for Cavill. And while we're at it, Black Adam 2 isn't moving forward. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Oh, Dwayne Johnson's mega hit. The thing he's been working on for a decade. It's, it's, oh, God, it's not happening. This, uh, th- this news officially broke when Johnson actually got on Instagram and said, he wasn't going to be around for DC stuff much anymore. Uh, there's, again, some language about the, the first chapter of the DC universe. Now him and his studio, Seven Bucks, are going to be working on other ways to make Black Adam relevant. And like that's 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 all well and good. But just 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 a moment for, for the, the failure of this <laughs> F stellar. F in the chat. F I in the mean, chat for God, Black the, Adam. The, the hierarchy of the DC universe is about to change. Yeah, a huge F in the chat. Monstrous. Yeah, th- this is actually really good news. I think it turns out the the Rock Dwayne Johnson was um, not. I mean, he's not very much of a team player. He wanted to come into DC and essentially kind of start calling shots and have things more or less revolve around his character. Um, like in the comics, Black Adam is the nemesis of Shazam, and the rock refused to be in the Shazam movie or even do a cameo or something. He only wanted to do the big, you know, he just wants to fight Superman. He's only doing like the a list stuff. And it's hard to work with a guy like that. Like these are, you gotta be a team player in these, these big franchises. Uh, also his movie did terribly. Uh, I just read a thing today that it costs, this is not including marketing, $260 million before marketing costs and so it's a huge it's not a bomb but it's lo- it's lost a lot of money uh for warner brothers it's, it's not successful at all and like i said the the rock not being not playing well with others is that it's fine for him to be out like if you're going to try and build a new universe you don't need people like him yeah uh there's it's not good optics for 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 dwayne johnson for sure um i mean the whole way down, there were problems, right? Like, he's, he was talking about how the hierarchy of the DC Universe was going to change. He said he wasn't going to be in Shazam 2 because he only does big stuff. Yeah, he pulled a lot of strings to get Cavill involved. Uh, and Black Adam was produced by his guy. Like, Seven Buck Studios is the studio that put that together. It seems really obvious that there's, at least to me, that there's a bit of a narrative emerging here. Um Dwayne Johnson calls the shots on set, and I didn't think he used to, but like, look at all the movies he's making. He's 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 handpicking his own directors. Like he's he's picking people. Like he's not working with A-listers. You don't see him in a Scorsese picture. He's not working with Spielberg. Like he's not even working with like new like hot directors. Like he's he's picking people who are intentionally like of smaller caliber, and it seems like he's doing it so he can. He can call the shots. Like uh, there, there are reports he did it back on Baywatch. He definitely did it on Fast and Furious, which he ended up yeah. getting a sequel, his own spinoff for, and still has not optioned a sequel, which is crazy to me. Black Adam is up in the air. It's it's like what's the what's the deal? Like is he is he just bossy? Is is he just deciding? Like I don't know. I I don't know what the deal is, but like whatever it is, I think the guy needs to. Get get his hands off the wheel for a minute and just you know go to work. Just go be just go be an actor for a hot minute. Like I, you know, just just listen to what other people tell you to do <laughs> instead of trying to like manhandle it yourself. Because when it blows up, it, it doesn't look good, man. Yeah, like I said, uh, this isn't the person you want in your franchise. And again, Black Adam is a pretty minor character. He he's a bad guy, but it's not like he's not like the Joker. I, I was making this analogy today that it, it would be like if Clayface or Kite Man wanted to be, have their own solo movie. It was like, no, you're a minor <laughs> villain. Why? Like, I, I don't know why he's obsessed over this character. He's he's obsessed over Black Adam for like 15 years, I you know, know, and has wanted to play this character. W- really worked to have this movie made, and then it was so mediocre. 
and uninspired <laughs> and now it's just like a box yeah. office bomb it ended up going hugely over budget because they had to do a ton of reshoots because they had terrible test screenings on their first pass at it like black adam didn't work it worked fine i mean it worked okay but like it didn't it didn't work well enough to like really continue forward meanwhile uh in the dc pen like Matt Reeves as the Batman is still happening. Um, as far as we know, there's going to be more more involved with like the, the what, what's his name Todd Todd Scott's the Joker. I can't uh, the director of Tom, uh, Todd Phillips. Todd Phillips. Like it seems like things are happening. They're just not happening for Black Adam, and that's a bummer. Hopefully, we'll see him again at some point. Uh, I, I again just like just like all the Justice League, any one of them, like you could easily put put Black Adam in a movie, and I would still think it was cool. Like there's definitely potential. For that character to develop into something, DC seems to be leaving the door open. I don't know. Do you, do you know what they should do? They should just get someone else to play Black Adam, and then he, The Rock would be so mad. He would be so just reca- off. Right. Still use the property, just recast Black Adam. That'd be amazing. Yeah. Um, and you get like a, an, an amazing actor to do it, and and just like you know, act circles around what The Rock did. <laughs> now just give just give Vin Diesel. It's the perfect answer. Like you, you could. <laughs> it's the best possible casting. All right. Well, if, for more on the DC universe, keep it here on the oh, script. Gosh. We'll be talking about this when we're back in a couple of weeks for the new year. Uh, one more story before we get back to it. Uh, Avatar The Way of Water is uh, doing really good in its opening weekend, but maybe not good enough. Uh, we reported on this last week. Uh, Avatar needs to make like a bunch of money to break even. According to James Cameron, we don't have official numbers, but he what, said like something like... One to like, two billion dollars. Yeah, one to two billion dollars, which is just insanity. Uh, and if you know if you're gonna hit that metric, you're gonna have to have a pretty good opening weekend. Now, James F- J- James Cameron's movies typically have legs and they run for a while. Titanic did not have a monster opening. Even Avatar One did not have a monster opening. And this movie is gonna be in theaters through the holiday. It's probably gonna be for like 11 months. And it really is the only like CGI centric feature until like February. So it's got some time, but <laughs> it did not have the most stellar. I think I think it performed below expectations in its opening, right? Yeah, it, it was um, it was tracking to open in the 150 170 million dollar range. It came in short at 134 million. Um, globally, it did much better at uh, I think it brought in like 300 million globally or internationally, and so it's a total of 400 plus for the opening weekend. That would be great for just about any film, but not one that costs. 400 350 to 400 million dollars you know uh so it's got a long way to go it needs to make over a billion dollars to probably be be profitable um but we'll see what kind of legs it has the holiday weekend or the holidays are now here and people are going to be going to see it and we'll see what kind of number what the numbers do these coming weeks yeah, currently, I think just today I saw a thing that said it crossed 500 million global, which is, you know, a quarter of what it's looking to make if they need to make $2 billion. Crazy. Cameron himself said it represents one of the worst business decisions in movie-making history. Crazy. Uh, but um, it's also worth mentioning, like, they shot all of two and I think almost all of three when they back shot back, two. Yeah. Yes, and then apparently they also shot uh, the opening sequence of or, and another story, uh, Cameron said that he didn't want the kids in the film to age up like Stranger Things. They aren't even really kids anymore. Um, seems kind of funny because we're talking about mocap and CGI and you're using a, a teenage yeah. character in your new film that is played by Sigourney Weaver, who is notably not a teenager. But but reg- regardless, uh, overseas it seems to be doing pretty well. People seem to really be enjoying it and turning out to see it. It's also having a really good boom in premium ticket sales. I think like 68% of tickets sold for Avatar are going to be IMAX or D-Box or XD or Screen Act, like something. Everybody's upgrading because they know it's a spectacle. It's got that wow factor. And I'm excited to talk about it and review it here in just a minute. But overall, I don't know. I don't know if it's going to clear the hump. And what's going to, I think the metric that's going to tell us the most is going to be the week after week fall off, right? Like, how's it going to do next week versus the week after versus the week after? Right now, we don't have those answers. But we know for now might be a bit of a bumpy start. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if that's going to carry it over. I think it it will probably get in the profitable range which would is going to be about a billion dollars. I do not see in it hitting a billion and a half in a or two. Um just based on the kind of films that have hit those numbers, things like Top Gun Maverick, 
or Spider-Man No Way Home. Those were films that everyone loved right from the get-go and same thing, just kept going and kept watching uh, and just didn't stop it. It was just like kind of this amazing cinematic experience. Um, So we'll see if Avatar can do the same thing. It's a weird thing to report on because on the one hand, Avatar currently, even though it's only just come out, is like the eighth highest grossing film of the year, which seems really good. The problem is Cameron is saying it's going to have to earn nearly double what the highest grossing has. So if you're just coming out of the gate, number like being in place number eight may not be the best spot as far as trying to clear first place by a matter of two like that. So I I, I don't know. I, I don't know. Well, we'll have to see. Keep it here on off script for more. With that, we should jump into our summary. And I forgot to ask you before we started. Do you want to take the summary on this or should I? I got the IMDb summary pulled up. I, I can just rattle it off. I think you should. Okay. Oh, all right. Well, then allow me, please. Uh, I'm going to be running this, so please excuse my clumsy delivery uh, to introduce this. The movie is uh, Avatar, The Way of Water. So what does her heartbeat sound like? Mighty. So Avatar 2. Avatar The Way of Water is the sequel to 2009's Avatar. 13 years it has been since we have seen the previous film. There are people going there there are children going to see this who did not exist on the planet when Avatar 1 came out. Uh, it is just a, it is a film that has the same level I think of wow factor as the previous. In fact, more so because we've got 13 years of tech behind it. Uh, Jake Sully is <laughs> is a Navi on Pandora, a, a magical, wonderful planet full of other creatures, Navi, giant flying creatures, all kinds of things. Uh, if you haven't seen the first film, uh, the, the humans from Earth have traveled across the universe to gather resources, and in this case of Avatar 2, make a new home of the planet Pandora. Of course, the life, the life there, the Navi, the, the planet, the forest, nobody wants them to do that. And Jake Sully uh, and Natiri, uh, his partner, and now his family, his four, their four children, have to uh, evade the oncoming forces and ultimately try to figure out a way to stop the planet that they've come to love uh, from being taken over by the sky people. Uh, the movie has a pretty stellar cast and a really stellar budget, as we were just talking about. It seems like it's going to take a lot of money to get over the hump here. The question is, can Avatar have the same draw as the first one? Is it going to have that 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 wow factor where people run out and tell their friends, "Oh my god, you got to go see Avatar the Way of Water. It's so good." Because if you were around for Avatar 1, odds are if you're listening to the show you were, you probably remember that being a thing, man. Everybody went and talked about it. Now that Avatar 2's out, we're excited to talk about whether or not we think that's there. Uh Andy, what did you think of Avatar 2 or Avatar the Way of Water? I thought it was okay. <laughs> like, <laughs> there, there are some, there are some things that work. There yes. is a lot that that doesn't, in my uh, opinion. The visuals are are really stunning. The water stuff in the way of water is is really pretty pretty incredible. Um, and I'm amazed at how they fil- filmed it. It must have been miserable for their like cast and crew, like being in the water underwater all the time just wet and damp and never dry. Uh, but the, the effects w- which have been the strong suit of this series um, are top notch. Uh, they really are. But to me, that's kind of where the, the good stuff uh, ends. The, the plot is kind of, it's a little generic and it's a little all over the place. Um, I feel like the, the first act was about 45 minutes feels like one movie we don't get to the way of water, the water people to about the second act, the second hour. And that feels like a whole new movie t- takes off. There's uh, a little bit of rivalry between like the, uh, Jake's family and the, uh, the water family. There's a several subplots that, that go on that don't really connect very well. And then we get, have this really long, uh, kind of third act to me. The second act of this is, is the strongest and, and what I think is most interesting. And that's where you get most of the water stuff. Um, but like the plot's kind of all over the place. There's a few too many characters to keep up with. I don't know anyone's name. Everyone's blue. <laughs> like, uh, so it was fine. And and I th- I think, but but some people are are really having really positive reactions to this. And you know, I don't want to take away from anyone who's really enjoying it. Um, I thought it was better than Andy did. I think uh, Avatar: The Way of Water definitely has problems. I think like any movie does. And honestly, I think its biggest problem is it's too damn long. Three hours, three hours, ten minutes is too long. Like Andy, and I know Andy and I watch a lot of movies on here, 
it's very easy for us to be film snobs and be like, 90 minutes is the ideal movie length. But like, honestly, dude, three hours is, is a series. Like there, there are limited series on HBO that are shorter than three hours, 10 minutes. You know, like there's no reason in the age of streaming, Avatar couldn't have evolved into a different format and been something we could have watched in a different, maybe more, uh, more easily consumable capacity. But for three hours and 10 minutes, you are getting a lot to look at. Uh, Avatar features uh, the same kind of blend of live action and really stunning stellar CGI that the first Avatar film does, um, but with some new things in it. Namely, uh, the water tech in this movie is insane. I could not believe how good the water looks in this movie. Not just like the stuff under the water and like the coral and the fish, but like just even general things like waves and ripples on the top or when characters are riding some kind of creature or boat on water quickly. It looks, it looks so real. And like the illusion of what is real and what is fake really starts to get lost. I think as you get sucked into the world of Pandora again, uh, this is even, even better accentuated by the addition of uh, a new character. There's and there's a handful of new characters. So I should just kind of run down the list really quick. Uh, returning from the first film, we have, uh, Jake Sully, played by Sam Worthington, and Natiria, played by Zoe Saldana, both, I think, are a lot of fun in this movie. Andy, I, Andy, I think, saw, thought <laughs> Sam Worthington is like a, a wooden board, but we'll get to that yeah. in a second. <laughs> We've got Sigourney Weaver uh, returning, not in her role as Grace, the scientist in the previous film, but as Kiri, uh, a new, uh, a new avatar born of Grace's previous avatar, <laughs> mysteriously. Uh, and she has been adopted by Jake and Natiri. Uh, they also have three children of their own. I've got IMDb up right now, and I can't quite I recall don't know their who, names. I, don't I, th- know I think who they're Neneam, Loak, and Tuk is what their names are. So four kids, which is a lot. It's a lot to juggle. Like just just on the top, you got you got your two your two parents, four kids. So it's a full house. Uh, we've got Stephen Lang returning as Quaritch, uh, the villain from the first one. It's hard to believe he would be back, uh, but somehow Quaritch returned. Somehow Quaritch returned. For what it's worth, I think it's better explained here than like Palpatine in in uh, yes, Skywalker Rise of Skywalker. But it's fine. Uh, we have a couple new characters. Uh, Kate Winslet is in this film as uh, Ronal, a uh, a queen of the like water tribe that, that, that the, the Sully family ends up traveling to in the film. Cliff Curtis uh, is the king of that tribe, Tonawari. And uh, another interesting one, just really quick, Edie Falco as, as, as the new kind of general of the American for uh, the human, the American forces, I should say the, the oncoming human forces, the, the colonizers. Sky people. Uh, yes. And Jermaine Clement as, as Dr. Garvin, a Marine biologist did not expect one half of flight of the Concords to be in this movie, <laughs> but he is. Um, that's, I'm going to say about everybody exciting uh, of everybody there. Uh, I think, Oh, Oh my God. And I forgot spider spider. Of course, <laughs> Jack Jack Champion plays a character named Spider, who is a human who you, you'll see him in the ads if you've seen him. Uh, he hangs out with the Navi and he like paints blue lines on himself and he runs around out with a, an air mask on in Pandora because he can't breathe the air. Uh, and he, he sees himself as basically a Navi, but he is obviously a human. And the reason I introduced the cast and say all this is Spider is a great way to show uh, to blend the live action and the CGI, because if you have a human running around in a completely CGI world, which work, looks really good, by the way, I couldn't believe how well they blended him in. Uh, it you know it starts to fool your brain a little bit that this is not really CGI. You're seeing something that's like kind of tangible and a bit more. Yeah, then this is where I kind of start to have an issue with the effects. Is uh, like I said, some of it looks amazing. A lot of the water stuff is really impressive, but a lot of it just looks like a video game or like it's completely animated. And the scenes with Spider in there are it's almost like a human is in there just so so you're reminded you're not in a video game or you're which I don't think is I mean, it's not a good thing. If I if I think I'm watching an animated film all of a sudden, you have to kind of shoehorn. I mean, he seems kind of a forced character just to remind us like, oh, hey, this is there's people this we're on a set or it's a blend blend of things. Right. Well, I I, like I said, I I saw that for sure. But you and I were both definitely watching to to see what we could see right and and i think one of the things avatar for me did really well is it hypnotizes you right like you you start to kind of fall for the illusion and before you know it you're kind of pulled into the world i I think 
my issue, really, the biggest issue I have with the movie is just the pacing. It's just too damn long. Um, you can get sucked into the world of Avatar, like, just fine. But after an hour or two, you're going to be like, hey, I need to go to the bathroom. <laughs> and while you're in the lobby, you'll check your phone. And before you know it, like, you're off the ride. And, and it doesn't do a very good job of keeping you on the whole time. I think few three-hour three films do. And, and I don't think Avatar is necessarily alone in this space. Um, but I think there's maybe some potential to cut things down. With four children, four, four kid characters, uh, you have a lot of room to run with story. And a few of them have their own kind of beats with their own problems and their own heroic arcs. Uh, and, and really, Jake and Atiri get pushed to the background for, for a lot of the film. Uh, people have said it's a bit of a teen drama. I don't think that's necessarily true. But I think maybe you could have you trimmed that stuff down a little. Cause it is, it's a little... Yeah, Cameron has decided to make just really long extended sequences. Like, you know, I keep saying that the movie really starts like it start feels like it starts in the second act when they get to the Water Tribe. And that first act that's about 45 minutes, that that could be like a 10-minute prologue. Like you you could get you could trim that whole whole thing down. And this is also like what Zach was saying, a lot of this would work in a not not necessarily the whole thing in a series, but you could make series out of different aspects of this story, and then you wouldn't have to have maybe have a three-hour movie, and you could explore things a, a little bit more. Because again, there's a, there's a ton of characters, and there's a ton of plots going on at the same time. I do think there's good performances in there, uh, much like uh, you know praising Andy Circus for mocap, like. It is a little difficult, I think, sometimes to suss out quality work. But for what it's worth, like, I genuinely did think Sam Worthington did a good job in this movie. And he, he does not. It's fine. Uh, I thought Zoe Saldana did really well, even though I really wish Natiri had more time. Uh, I, I think she really gets pushed to the background for too she much She gets sidelined in She's one of my movie. favorite characters. Yeah, it's really a shame. Like, I, I hope I hope if Avatar 3 is happening that she kind of gets more attention. Uh, and I really like... <laughs> I, go ahead. Avatar 3... The way of putting Natiri back on screen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I really, I really like the Quaritch character. I, I really didn't think I would. I thought you killed him in the first one. Uh, how are you gonna bring him back? And they actually do a really clever job of reincorporating him in a way that is genuinely fresh and and similar to Terminator Two, which is another Cameron production. Uh, evolves the form of your previous villain with like new powers and new abilities. And gives them, like, more agency to be villainous while also, like, have additional layers of character. Like, I think that's neat that Quaritch has a couple of weaknesses now. He is not just, but, you know, he's he's tougher because he's uh, Avatar form, but he's, you know, vulnerable in a way because he's already been killed once. And I think he kind of understands that. And, like, that creates a unique bit of tension for your characters. Um, Kate Winslet is a, a little hard to find in the movie. I've heard a lot of people say... They just could not recognize who she was in there. I had no idea who she was, and I kept yeah. trying to listen for her voice, and I could not find it. It's funny because I feel like it, at least like Sam Worthington's avatar, Jake Sully. Maybe it's because he is like a hybrid avatar that that's addressed in this movie, like Navi who aren't real Navi, not like pure blood Navi. Uh, Navi, uh, he was made by humans in the first one, so he, he like at least pretty well resembles himself. His eyes like even his pores a little bit. Like you can, I can kind of, when I look at straight on at Jake Sully, I can kind of see Sam Worthington in there, but there's a lot of these characters. You cannot, especially the kids. They look drastically different from like their pre the, the, from their actual actors and actresses. So that's know, what's really funny about, marry. that's what's really funny about Cameron saying like, Oh, he didn't want, want to worry about the stranger things effect and wanted to film. That's part of the reason they filmed, the, these two movies back to back is so they could have the kids like grow up in real time. Yeah. Um, but they're all CGI and they're blue. Like I don't, <laughs> I'm not going if, to, if they age 10 years, I'm not, you could just hide it. Like, yes. And any scene when like Sigourney Weaver's Kiri is like running around with the other kids, you can imagine them all on the mocap set with her being like, how do you do fellow kids? Like <laughs> I'm trying to hang with like a bunch of 14 year olds running around doing stuff. So um, but that being said, like, I, I didn't mind her in there. I like Sigourney Weaver a lot, frankly. Like, I listen, Sigourney Weaver shows up in a movie. I'm I'm here for it. So, um, what else? I, I don't really have much to say about the music. I, I, I Forgettable. think it's, it's got, okay, all right. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's got, again, Avatar The Way of Water undeniably sing, has. Sing the Avatar theme. <laughs> I, uh, 
<laughs> Undeniably has. Uh, the, the wow factor, right? Visually, it is big. And people are paying extra to go see it in premium shows. People are going out of their way to see this in the biggest fashion possible. And, and I really think that's great. But I, I guess having seen the movie, Andy, where do you think this is going to land this year as far as top owners go? It's number eight on the list now. Is it clear in Top Gun Maverick? Is it going to clear Is it going to clear a billion at Jurassic World? I mean, what do you... I, I, I think, think it, I think it might take the top spot, uh, but I'm not sure. No, I don't think it's going to go uh, overtake Top Gun Maverick. I think it, it'll clear. It will, yeah, yeah, I think it'll go get a little bit over a billion. It it was released in China. It, yes, it, it was way shorter. They were hoping for 100 million out of China. They got. They've had a lot of 50, had a lot of COVID 50, problems 57. in China. That's yeah. that's not getting better. So yeah, yeah, they're still dealing with a lot of COVID shutdowns in in China. So theater, a lot of theaters are are closed, and a lot of people just don't want to go to theaters over there because of of the covid situation so that that really hurt it but you know i i think it'll be one of the top five but i don't i don't think it's going to be one or two yeah i i i think it might be t- i think right now on the list jurassic world dominion is number two at just over a billion and then there's like top gun maverick like a, a billion point four or something i don't know if it'll overtake that i do think it'll clear a billion i mean it made it made 400 million its first weekend and it's got the whole holiday to run. Again, there's not a lot of big CGI spectacle competition for it. Like, I, I think yeah. it'll get over. But I don't know what that means for three. I, I know Cameron had said uh, he wasn't sure if Avatar 4 and 5 is going to happen. He wants it to. But if not, he can wrap it up at three. What do you? I, the way it's looking right now, I don't, I don't know if we get a four and five. I think they might do two. Yeah. I think they might do three. And then... I think they'll probably do a third if this... If this makes a bit close to a billion or a billion, which it probably will, they'll probably at least green light one more. Um, but yeah. I, I don't think the appetite really is there because it's the rewatchability that really makes movies super successful. That's, again, Top Gun Maverick. That's going to be the, the poster child for that sort of thing. That movie came out in May. It was still in theaters up until like a month ago. They brought it back to theaters for December so you could watch it like, I mean... Uh, it's just kind of the gift that keeps on on giving, and I I don't know whether or not Avatar is going to have those kinds of legs. It James Cameron is confident it will, but um, I'm skeptical. Cameron said before before we get to recommendations because I, I do want to talk about it. Cameron had this great line in, in an interview, and you know he's been doing all these interviews leading up to this coming out, and he's been very very brash. Some would say egotistical. Uh, he's an artist, and he's going to express himself, and that's fine. But he said he, he's got this he's got this thing like he claims Kubrick had, which is like he he feels his interest is a lightning rod for the audience's interest. There's a sequence in here involving uh, a whale that had people had been complaining about, uh, or talking about. And uh, he said in an interview that, that it came up and, and the studio apparently had told him, hey, maybe you should cut down that whale stuff. And he said, no, I'm not going to do that because I believe if I want to see it other people will want to see it. That is genuinely his core conceit here. Like if Cameron likes it, if Cameron is sitting there giddy, like, like, like a kid in a candy shop watching a sequence, he thinks other people will too. And that's it. That, that, that apparently is his, his North star. That is his compass for deciding what is good in avatar, the way of water. Who, who's and what is more left in on the touch with floor. the, with the people than a 70 year old man. I think that might be a question worth asking yes because i think a lot of avatar the way of water works i think it's it has potential to turn people off like andy who i think otherwise would not mind it. i mean i think andy would be way softer on this movie there's a tight two hours he'd be so, way softer yeah. on this movie. <laughs> so let me let me chime in on this whale plot yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, about halfway really through the movie yeah. so we're about an hour and a half into the movie um this like a b c d e or f plot comes about involving uh a, a whale who is becomes a character essentially and it just goes on it's like 20 25 minutes of this whale plot and it's like the third or fourth most important thing um that happens and and it's just like what is this doing here yes. uh, again series do this in a series do this in something else do this in a christmas special the match <laughs> right save the whales as christmas special material that's what you're saying yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's there there definitely been questions of theming. Uh, I've seen people say, "How does this movie open with like, hey, uh, colonialism is bad," and then manage to get to save the whales, <laughs> like within the same within the same feature. I think I think Cameron has a lot of ideas here, and I think some of them overlap 
better than others. And I know Avatar 1 is a much tighter feature. Like, I think, I I personally, out of the two, I think I like Avatar 1 a little more, but I've heard a lot of people say, no, this one is much better. I guess I have to rewatch to find out. But what I do know is, like, I think there's a lot of good in Avatar The Way of Water. I think he needs to dilute it down a little more for three. Um, And I think I should probably get to recommendations before I... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> just spilled beans andy uh any any other thoughts or recommendations uh well just about plot real quick uh, you yeah. mentioned the first one i think the the plot in the first movie it's not original at all but it's more cohesive it's more more coherent i feel like it moves from a to b to c just much more fluidly and better than uh this movie does yeah uh and with that andy would you recommend avatar the way of water I think if you're a big fan of the first movie, like you were really excited at it, you saw it one, two, three, four times, and you've been really looking forward to the sequel, I would say definitely see it in theaters. If you are anything but super excited about it, I would say save it for streaming. The visuals are really impressive and incredible, but it's not worth a three-hour runtime, and it's a little bit all over the place. I get, I get lost a little bit in the plot, in the characters who are all blue and there's like five, six, seven, eight of them. I don't know any of their names. I don't know any of the lore. Like I can't repeat anything. Like I was saying about this, how you do in star Wars. You're like, Oh yeah. The, uh, the Jedi, the X wings, the, you know, the Wookiees, like pe- people, be- you become familiar with the world. Somehow I'm not familiar with this world at all. Yeah. So right. save, it, save it for streaming. If you're this not is, super excited about this, it. this is how the normies feel about star Wars nerds. They're like, good God, y'all are talking about aliens. And who knows why. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's, I think, I, I, I think I would recommend avatar the way of water. I, I think with it, like Andy said, it's not for everybody. It definitely isn't. And I can't even say if you love the first one, you're going to love this one, but I think it's, it's an exciting, it, it's an exciting feat to put something in cinemas that is so big and so bold and may not work for everybody. But like, I think what you're going to see here is going to be interesting. I think it's going to hold your attention in one way or another. And you may get to the end and find, you know what? That wasn't really worth it. But like, I, I, for me, it was like, I I think Avatar the way of water is not bad. I I don't, I don't think it's, you know, top 10 material per se, but I think we're going to have to get to our, yeah, it's, it's bizarre because it's, it's, I've seen it pop up on a lot of top 10 lists. I have to. I mean, like, undeniably, the the technology behind it is huge. And, like, there are genuinely sequences in here where I couldn't figure out if it was live action or not. Some of it is, some of it isn't, some of it's blended. Um, And there's multiple bits here where I would be just blown away by something I saw on screen. And then 10 minutes later, something else would happen that I was like, oh, my God. How did, like, is that real? What am I looking at? You know? And, And, like, I think that that like mysticism can draw in like a certain kind of audience. It, it draws me in at least for better or worse. <sighs> but with that, we should move on to our, Oh my God. And it's the last film we're, we're reviewing in 2022. Good Lord. We'll talk about what, sorry, we'll, t- we'll, we'll do reflections on the year and our, our previous 200 <laughs> episodes at the end of the episode. For now, we have much bigger fish to fry. We need to get to our top 10 films off script film reviews, top 10 films of 2022. <laughs> So for those of you that haven't listened to previous top 10 segments that we've done on the show, they can be a little messy. They can be a little full. <laughs> yeah. But I, I I think Andy and I devised a strategy this year to put in more content and more 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 films and actually get to the goods faster. Here's what I'm thinking. All right, we're, We keep we're, adding categories. We do. Time. I know. Every year it gets longer. And every year we're like, we got to cut this down. This, is actually, this segment's way too long. It's fine. Here's what I'm thinking. All right. We've got a few categories. We've got honorable mentions. We got disappointments, all right? It's stuff that's not going to make the top 10 and stuff that's not the worst of the year, but just, just some general impressions, all right? We saw a lot of movies this year. We've got our worst of the year pick, and then we've got our top 10. So how I would think we should do this is we open with the honorable mentions. All right, we segue over to the disappointments. It's real simple, just the, just the soft hits. We do our top 10, number 10 through number two, all countdown from 10 to two, all the way down to two. Then we do our worst of the year, and then we hit them with the best of the year. That's the way to do it. I think it's perfect. All right. It's it's the it's the best layout 2022 ever could ask for. I think you should jump into it. So with that, and, oh my God, I didn't change over the I had a whole slate I was gonna put it. It doesn't even look good. <laughs> I, made, I made a custom slate for Facebook to put up like our top ten of the films of 2022. It looks terrible. Anyway, uh follow us on Facebook to see the show live. I think we should jump into it. Andy, what you want to kick it off with an honorable honorable mentions? Yeah. 
Um, so I have a few films here, and I'll try not to talk too much about e each one. Uh, now these first two were th ones that actually came out in 2021, but we didn't weren't able to see them until 2022. That's why they're getting mentioned here. Memor Memoria, which was the Tilda Swinton film where she goes to Columbia and hears this incredible sound that no one else can hear, and and it's like shaking the earth kind of sound. And the whole, it's kind of a mystery to discover what it is. It's an incredibly slow, play, the slowest film I've ever seen, yes, but it's, it's very profound, uh, very, very deep by, uh, I can't remember the director because his name is really hard to, hard I'll to, look it up. Hard keep, to say. I'll look it up. Oh God. Yeah. It, it is. Erastical, something like that. Yes. That's actually, at, at, oh my God. Yeah, you were right. All right. Anyway, I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> Um, Mad God, which was the Phil Tippett uh, stop motion project that he'd been working on for 30 years, uh, eight, 80 minutes or so, no dialogue, completely told through the visuals and music, really disturbing and really an interesting way of storytelling, fantastic soundtrack. Do you want? I don't know if you wanted to jump in on any. any yeah, uh, believe today. it or not, I, I found actually a lot of our picks this year are really similar. Uh, so in the case of honorable mentions, not only do I have those two, I've got two more of Andy's five here. The one I have that's different uh, that I don't, that Andy doesn't have uh, is Barbarian. Uh, Barbarian's an honorable mention for me. That movie's not for everybody. Uh, it's actually funny after our after our off script episode for Barbarian came out, uh, I heard from a couple people who were like, "Oh my god, you liked Barbarian." <laughs> Which is weird to me because I think Barbarian uh, from director Zach Kreger is uh, it's 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 this kind of new wave of, of horror that expects you or asks you to take it seriously. And then once you actually get in the chair like a Wes Anderson movie, you discover, oh, I'm not actually supposed to take this seriously. This is something more. This is a step past. I compared it to Malignant, which the people who criticized my hot, hot take on Barbarian loved by the way <laughs> I, so i don't know what to make a barbarian but like i didn't know what to expect going in and i think i came out pleasantly surprised i've also got uh, one andy's got here uh, all quiet on the western front uh from netflix uh this is the germany's submission for the academy awards this year for best international film uh really stunned at how Haunting. well that movie i mean good god like saving private ryan levels of like combat and gore and like haunting imagery of the horrors of war Really fantastic work. It's on Netflix now. Andy and I both loved it, and you can go find our review in older episodes. Andy's got two more on here. Andy, what do you got? <laughs> I have Blonde, which is probably a very controversial pick. Um, this was kind of a very brutal telling of Marilyn Monroe's uh, life based on a, a novel uh, that, that someone wrote. So historical fiction, uh, but just the the directing and the, the way the story was told visually – Really incredible work by the, uh, the same director as um, the assassination of Jesse James by the cow coward Robert Ford. I can't. I should have linked these. I'll oh, check it out. Yeah, go ahead. But but just uh, a really artistic telling of this story. It, it's almost like it. I almost wish it hadn't been about Marilyn Monroe. Just like kind of a generic Hollywood actress, like who has dreams of making it big and what she has to do. Uh, but just really incredible visuals and blend of music in it. Like I enjoyed it f for that. Um, not the treatment of, of Marilyn Monroe. Per uh, se. Andrew Dominic is the director on that film. A uh, fantastic work by Anna Armas. Some of, some of her best. Yeah. Really great. Um, and then black Panther Wakanda forever. Uh, Long-awaited sequel picking up after the untimely death of Chadwick Boseman. Uh, they did a very good job of incorporating his death into the film, but also paying homage to him and his performance and taking the the, the franchise in kind of some new directions, introducing uh, Namor, the uh, Aquaman of, Mar of the Marvel Universe. <laughs> Yeah, I, I also had Black Panther Wakanda Forever on my list. That rounded out my my five. And I couldn't believe how much I liked that movie, especially considering like Marvel's Phase 4 was not all that stellar. Um, yeah. But Black Panther Wakanda Forever is like a surprisingly poignant piece on grief in a film that like is so starkly lacking its core hero. And like I couldn't believe how well Coogler manages to bring that together uh, along with some fantastic cast work working through the pandemic. Insane. Could not believe how much I like Black Panther Wakanda forever as nearly a top 10 pick. Now, 
I think we should move through disappointments quick because I don't have much to say about mine. I don't know about you. <laughs> yeah, no. Let's see. So, um, I'll go from bottom up actually. So, Marvel face snore. Oh, you added that late. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Just this, in general, this, general impressions. Yeah, yeah, okay. Just this phase four of Marvel has been very kind of mediocre and sure. a little disappointed. Uh, Multiverse of Madness was kind of mediocre. Thor Love and Th- Thunder was really kind of bad. Yeah. Black Panther has been really strong. They they have not done super well in this phase, but it is what it is. Some other disappointments, The Northman, Amsterdam, Black Adam, Thor Love and Thunder, which I just said, Lightyear, and for me also Avatar The Way of Water. Avatar The Way of Water. <laughs> Avatar. I almost made Avatar an honorable mention. I feel like I, I should I should stick it in just as a, just to counter your disappointment. <laughs> it's like it's like uh yeah doing the opposite of your vote. Uh yeah no I, I featured a bunch of these as well. Thor: Love and Thunder, Black Adam, and Amsterdam all made lists for me. Disappointed by all of these. Also, The Gray Man on Netflix. My God, I was bored watching that movie. Uh, how oh, does a movie geez. with Ryan Gosling and Chris Evans and Anna Armas be boring? Put like, you to sleep from the directors of the Avengers like Endgame. And, Anyway, and lastly, Jurassic World Dominion, which, my God, <laughs> I really, really did not like the second highest grossing film of 2022, but it's fine. I had a lot of people tell me it wasn't good. I also had some people get very cross with me for saying I didn't like it. And, and again, look, I everybody's entitled to their own opinions. Just didn't do it for me. All right. I'm sure a lot of my top tens don't do it for them. So it's fine. Everything's fine. Now, when you get to the top ten. So like I said, was you 10 through 2? How do we do this normally? We bounce back Wait, and what forth? Are, what are we doing worst of the year? Uh, I say we do number 10 through number 2. Or we get all the way down to our one away from the number 1 of the year. Then we hit them with the worst. Like right there. Like Here's the thing we hated, and then here's the thing we loved. That's the way to do it. Okay. I'll, I'll do my, my 10 through 6. So I'll name them, and then I'll okay. talk. So yeah. starting at number 10, Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio, which just came out on, on Netflix. Bones and All. B- the Banshees of Inishirin. Uh, dis- decision to leave, and this is kind of a double feature: X and Pearl, which I'm counting as one big giant sneaky, <laughs> sneaky. I-, I think you should have separated them, but it's fine. Yeah, um, the Pinocchio Guillermo, Guillermo del Toro's uh, Pinocchio is fantastic. It- it's a great bit of animation. It's really mature work. It's really dark, like it- it- the kind of opening. Geppetto loses his son as a kind of as a casualty of world war one and is like in a depression and drinking and decides to build this puppet or, you know, and that's how the movie starts. And it's, it takes place in Mussolini's uh, fascist Italy in, in the 1920s. I mean, it's, it's some d- dark stuff, um, but it's really fantastic. And it's, it's probably the best retelling of that story since the 1940 uh, Disney original um, bones and all really live that Luca Guadagnino's, uh, latest horror film, The Banshees of Inishirin, Martin McDonough, uh, and then Decision to Leave Park Chan-wook, who, who we haven't seen in, in a while, his kind of mystery r- romance, whodunit, um, and then the horror of Ty West with an X and Pearl. Uh, my, yeah, my, my, my 10 through 6 are not quite as exciting as Andy's. If anything, I think they're a little bit more childish, though he does have Pinocchio on there. Uh, it, worth mentioning... Every film we were talking about, I think, save for Pinocchio, we formally reviewed on this show. I haven't gotten the chance to watch Pinocchio yet. I think probably January we should take a gander because, like, if it's if yeah. it's Andy, if it's on a top ten list, I, I, by God, I gotta see it. So mine are as follows: number ten, Sam Mendes's Empire of Light; number nine, Park Chan Wook's Decision to Leave; number eight, Pixar's Turning Red; number seven, Jackass Forever; <laughs> and number six, Elvis. Again, Turning Red and Jackass Forever might sound goofy, but let me explain. Uh, I was phenomenally charmed by Empire of Light. I think it's a very personal film, and for some reason, it struck a chord with me personally. I don't think it will do that with other people, but, you know, sometimes you see a movie and you go, dang, that almost feels like it was made for people like me. And, like, somehow I landed on that with Empire of Light. I was really charmed. Roger Deakins, Trent Reznor, Ross on the score, fantastic. Decision Lee, Park Chan-wook uh, was a late addition for me. I was struggling to fill a slot on here. <laughs> And I had a lot of good picks. I mean, I had really good honorable mentions this year, but I wanted something that was really strong. And undeniably, I have not been able to stop thinking about that film since I've seen it. Really fantastic work. Check it out if you get a chance. Turning Red is a Disney Pixar movie. And while it probably should have gone to theaters, I was phenomenally charmed by the animation and ultimately the message of Turning Red. Um, I have never seen a film made for mainstream audiences that tackles like how a girl grows up in the way Turning Red does. 
Yes. And I was really charmed by that. And I wish it got more attention. Um, <laughs> but, it, you know, it is what it is. I cannot remember the last time I laughed as hard in a theater as I did watching Jackass Forever. Probably the last <laughs> time I saw a Jackass movie. It is not only the funniest movie I've seen this year, it is probably the funniest movie I've seen in the last five years in a movie theater. I mean, I just, I could not do so it's great. understandable to be oh my god list, yeah like i i honestly like go look at it go look at top 20 lists this year from from other people variety hollywood reporter it's usually on there like it sounds silly but like oh my god that movie's so funny like viscerally funny in a way that's hard to, hard to know and lastly elvis uh, i did not think boz lerman was going to make the list and let me tell you leading up to elvis i did a lot of smack talk on this show <laughs> i said a lot of junk I am not the greatest Boz Luhrmann fan, but oh my God, I was undeniably charmed by Austin Butler's turnout as Elvis. Fantastic work all around. Let's give me, give me the, give me the, give me the five through two, Andy. I, w- I want to get all down right. to this. Five through two, st- starting at number five, Top Gun Maverick, four, Elvis, three, The Batman, and two, Nope. Top Gun Maverick has, of course, been this incredible cinematic trend culturally thing it has been it was in theaters for like six seven months it's made a bit you know 1.5 billion dollars it did what christopher nolan wanted to do and revive theaters um i and i was really skeptical on this i'll, I'll be the first to admit that i was like this isn't going to make money no one wants to see this it's 35 years after the original it's going to be some rehab and mostly because that is what we have seen from all these legacy properties that have been revived it's a lot of rehashing it's a lot of doing what you've already seen and top gun maverick manages to dip into some nostalgia but also tell a new story bring in new characters new conflict and have just probably some of the the most incredible kind of cinematic experience like when you're in those i mean they shot so much in those planes uh, and when you feel like you're in there it's really stunning elvis of course stunning work by almost said Elvis Butler, Austin Butler, uh, <laughs> Boz Lorman. Um, really fantastic. Uh, the Batman, Matt Reeves reinventing uh, the Batman. It's always precarious when you do these superhero movies because people have really high expectations and the Batman manages to be almost three hours long um, and be complicated and dark and weave a lot of plots in and somehow not feel slow and not feel confusing and not feel burdened. And then of course, Nope, Jordan Peele's latest horror film about uh, the love of spectacle and man's uh, delusion of how much he can uh, control nature. Uh, I have a very similar list to Andy. At this point, every one of these films uh, has been talked about already on this list, short of my number one. Uh, my number five is X from Ty West. Number four, The Batman, Matt Reeves. Uh, number f- number three, Top Gun Maverick. And number two, Nope, just like Andy. Uh, X is really fantastic work. I really debated whether or not I wanted X or Pearl on this list. Pearl's been more recent. I think I've probably thought about Pearl more. I've definitely seen more gifts of Mia Goth crying, <laughs> I'm a star. <laughs> mostly, mostly in response to this DC stuff. And like Dwayne Johnson <laughs> signing off of Black Adam, but... Regardless, uh, X is one effed up horror picture, dude. And I, I enjoyed it so much. When that film hit credits, I wanted to stand up and cheer. I, I was so charmed by X. God, I thought it was great. I can't wait to see, tri- a- a- what is it, Triple X? XXX? Mia Goth story? Maxine, yes. Uh, when it comes out next year, uh, following, closing out that trilogy. Matt Reeves is the Batman. Really stellar work. You put Robert Pattinson in a bat suit, it doesn't seem like it's going to work. It, it, hell, you put anybody in a bat suit, it seems like maybe it won't happen. It is intimidating to make a Batman movie. There's a legacy there that is difficult to get under. Matt Reeves makes it look effortless. He makes it look like he made it good on, like, like, like it was so easy. It was like walking down the street and picking, like, just nothing. I couldn't believe how good the Batman was. Really enjoyed it. Uh, need to watch it again. I think it's on HBO Max. Top Gun Maverick. My God. What, what, what is there to say? I, I don't know <laughs> if I had a better time at the movies ever. It is so much fun watching Top Gun yep. Maverick. Man, like, start to In finish. D-Bucks. Dude, oh my god, yeah, threw me into the ceiling. Popcorn flying across the room. Like ama- amazing. <laughs> I was I was drenched in soda when I came out of my theater and I couldn't wait to go back in. Top Gun Maverick's fantastic work. If you haven't seen it, please get out to a theater. I think it's in theaters again for the holiday. I genuinely would recommend you go see it there if possible. Uh, and it'll be on Paramount Plus, I think like December 15th or something if you want to watch it there. And lastly, uh, nope. Nope is something really special. No, Nope is a monster movie in a way that I haven't seen in so long. And it's got these fantastic themes about our ability to catch and hold attention 
uh, our, our want to, to hold on to something magical, to, to, to just get a glimpse of the outside is, is, is laid bare in Nope. Of course, in the valleys of the Hollywood Hills, right? Where cameras are rolling and people are desperate to be, to be seen doing something great. Uh, nope has so much to say by telling a very simple story of a strange happening on a horse ranch. Uh, and now we need to talk about our worst of the year, which I'm excited because we, we're almost the same here. Uh, Andy, what, what do you got, man? What was the worst thing you saw in 2022? My second worst of the, I only have two on here. My second worst was Jurassic World Dominion. <laughs> this was such nostalgia oh, bait. You brought yeah. back all the, you know, original characters from the original Jurassic Park. You wasted them. You didn't really use them. At, at one point, there's literally six, six, seven people on screen trying to hide from a Tyrannosaurus and just is eye rolling. The main culprit, the main villain are these big locusts. It's not even the dinosaurs. Uh, I can't remember half, half the film because it was so for, forgettable. And uh, God, that's, that franchise needs to, to really just go away. Yes, my worst of the year uh, is, and I, I, I feel weird about saying this because it's so opposite of Andy's top 10, uh, Disney's Pinocchio. Uh, <laughs> if you did not see Robert, the Robert Zemeckis picture, uh, the Pinocchio live action remake, or mostly uh, CGI, but a bit of live action, uh, it is on Disney Plus and it is atrociously bad. It is it, so it bad. Is, it's it's so good they didn't put it in theaters because people would have been like Disney's lost it, but instead they just kind of did no press around it and just kind of rolled it out and it was on the Tom homepage Hanks. for a week. Tom Hanks, uh, and it it is not it it oh my god it's it, it's a real disappointment for me because I actually really like that old Pinocchio movie from the forties fifties. Uh, I I don't know something about it. It was dark. It was twisted. Caught, caught my mind as a kid and never let go. This movie is a travesty. It is a shadow of the thing that came before it. And it's pr- frankly hilarious that Disney makes a Pinocchio remake in 2022 and get absolutely clobbered by Guillermo <laughs> del Toro's GDT, stop yeah. motion puppets. Yeah, like it, it's their game to lose. They're the ones who made Pinocchio, uh, you know, a, a part of culture. Most well, in and part of what they did is, you know, they just remade their own film instead of telling something new. And I, I, I think... Uh, Guillermo del Toro's version is a great example of taking a familiar property and, and actually doing something new with it because he he tells the kind of classic the big arcs of Pinocchio that that we're all familiar with, but he sets it in this kind of very dark time of the the rise of fascism in in it 1920s Italy. He has Geppetto dealing with real real loss. Um, there's a lot going going on. I mean, it's it's about child exploitation. Uh, and you don't necessarily have to go this dark with <laughs> with your films, but he he shows that you can take something familiar, reinvent it, do something totally new, make it about new things. You know, people always say in in conflicts and story writing, there's only six basic conflicts, but a movie can be about anything, and that can be infinite infinite things that it can be about. And when you're making these remakes, that's what the kind of directors need to focus on. But Disney just rehashed exactly what had been done. They tried to. And, and like the whole first act t- takes place in one room. It's just, it's so bad. It's a travesty, not only for like it's, you know, origins and where it came from and what it could have evolved into, but also Tom Hanks just totally phoning it in. And additionally, Robert Zemeckis, the director of classics like Forrest Gump and back to the future and Castaway, uh, turning out probably his worst. I mean, some of, some of his worst work ever, in my opinion, like just, just bad. I mean, just bad. All Forgot around. it was Zemeckis. God. Yeah, dude, it really is. Uh, and with that, we should move into number one best film of 2020. Andy, what do you got? Everything, everywhere, all at once, which is also Zach's n- number one. <laughs> How could it this not w- be? Oh, my God. <laughs> this film, this was uh, by A24, directed by the Daniels, who had previously done... Swiss Army uh, Man. Swiss Army Man. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, it's about the s- story of Evelyn Wong starring uh, Michelle Yeoh as a laundromat. Uh, she owns a laundromat and her family, and it, life's kind of falling apart. They're behind on their taxes. They're going to get evicted. And then when all kind of things seem like they're kind of going wrong, all of a sudden her husband turns into a man from a different universe and recruits her to save the world from this impending doom that will <laughs> that is going to crush everything and all the multiverses if Evelyn doesn't kind of step in and it's an unbelievable film 
the again it's got multiverse it's got a lot of family drama it it is the most creative thing i've seen uh in years and it just it's funny it i mean there's just so much about it jamie lee curtis is is in it she's uh funnily enough turns into to the the villain when you, you don't really expect uh it just really blew me away has continued to, to to blow me away uh ever since i saw it i think yeah like the 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 people that have been impressed by this movie are there's a lot of us. Uh, it's not just Andy and I. Uh, this movie's been nominated for a number of awards and has won a number of awards. Performances all around. Michelle Yeoh, Kay Hikwan, uh, Stephanie Sue, Jamie Lee Curtis. Um, I, I think you take you make a movie called Everything Everywhere All at Once. It's like, well, what the heck is that going to be, right? Like, it's like it's like the never-ending story. That movie has to end eventually. It's not really the never-ending story. But Everything Everywhere has this amazing, amazing outlook on the world where every every failure, every bad thing you've ever done, every mistake you've ever made has driven you to the point to become who you are now. And that the person you are today can be so much bigger than the person you were yesterday and how you can truly do anything uh, if you just kind of believe in yourself <laughs> and maybe... Uh, loosen up on the world around you. Uh, it's a story about generational trauma. It's a story about a mom who can't connect with her daughter and who also can't connect with her dad who's having issues with her husband. Like it's, it's such a complicated tale and it manages to do so much on a shoestring budget in an 20 empty, million. Yeah. Empty office building. They shot in for like 34 days. <laughs> Like the crazy, the creativity coming out of Daniels is like lightning in a bottle in this film. Like if if you could take that and 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 bottle it and sell it to the highest bidder, my God, the place is cinema, my God. Like it is genuinely the best film of the year to me. I don't, I don't think anything beats it, and I I can't wait to see it crush this award season. God, I hope it gets every freaking Oscar it's nominated. Right? That's, yeah. That yeah. Well, th just the last thing I wanted to say about it is that uh, we've had a lot of multiverse movies. It's kind of the trend right now in in comic books specifically, uh, multiverse of madness, and uh, a, a lot of Marvel's been been to to toiling or uh, working toying with um, Elseworld movies and multiverses, and everywhere, everything, everywhere is by far the best of, of all of them. Like it puts all those movies to shame and it's the creativity of its multiverses and of these, you know, you see hundreds of versions of different characters. It's amazing. It was really funny talking to people who had seen everything everywhere and Dr. Strange and the multiverse of madness. Cause they were both out at the same time. Uh, and, and seeing how many people would immediately say, Oh my God, if I could recommend one over the other, it's everything every time. Like that movie is so much better and nuanced and interesting and funny and charming um, than just the next Marvel picture. Like even if even if you're trying to tackle this big multiverse thing and you 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 put hundreds of millions of dollars into building a cinematic universe where you can weave in characters and effects and magic from from all corners, um, everything everywhere it does it with like a 20 minute intro and. <laughs> some goofy effects it's it's genuinely incredible it's a movie made by like youtubers i mean it's 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 really stunning how how good that movie is if you haven't seen it please please walk do run do not walk to the nearest uh i don't know a premium video on demand site i guess because that's where you're gonna be watching it i don't know if it's actually streaming anywhere um no, but i'd assume many of these are like i said we've reviewed nearly all of these uh this year which is crazy um in fact 2022 has been quite a year at the movies coming out of the pandemic a lot of people weren't sure if this was going to be the year where everything popped, but overall, I think I'm pretty impressed, right? You'd say, Andy, over over 2022 versus previous, at least, at least through the well, pandemic, that's probably the best year we've had. Yeah, I mean, I always say every year is a great year for for film. People like to focus on you know these movies that came out this year, but if you look at what comes out every year, usually every year there's something that that's really stunning. But um, this would de would definitely was the year when we started going back to theaters uh, more more commonly more normally things are starting to get kind of back on track. We're still going to be a couple more years before the box office is fully recovered, but we're getting there. We sure are. Any, uh, any, any quick reflections before we close out on God, 200 episodes of off script. Good Lord. <laughs> it's, it's definitely it's, go ahead. Yeah, no, it's been uh it's been quite a ride and we've somehow managed to go through another hundred episodes. Seems like just yesterday we were at episode one one hundred. Well, no. Um we we've seen I feel like we've tried to diversify what we're watching. We've had more more guests on. 
try to have highlight some more voices. We we've also just seen more in different theater formats: IMAX, 3D, D-box, uh, that sort of thing. Caught a lot, like you know, we saw the Green Knight live with, uh, not live. We saw with the director David Lowry, who is in in Dallas. Um, you know, yeah, just it's a great time. Yeah, I, overall, just like episode 100, like I really enjoyed doing the show. I can say confidently at this point, uh, off script film review is the largest body of work I've ever been a part of. Um, which is weird. Before this, I, I had done a show for about 170 episodes through the podcast, but oh wow, uh, this is far away, blown, far and away, blown out of water. Not not only in <laughs> not only in t- amount of like content recorded, but also amount of like research and work done for the show. Uh, I mean, it's 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 two movies a week, you almost every week, and usually one of them's in theaters. Like I've I've I, the, the number of films I've gone to see because of this show is is outstanding and almost all of them were a good time <laughs> every once in a while you get a stinker like pinocchio or uh you know uh, God, i can't remember what my worst of the year last year was but overall like it's it's been a lot of fun and we really enjoy doing it ultimately i think the reason we do off script is because we genuinely just like seeing movies and talking about them it's really it <laughs> i know a lot of people have said well what's it what's your marketing like and you guys should put out more clips and like that's stuff we're working on that's uh, you know it takes time yeah. to get around to that, um, but for what we're doing right now, like I think we just really enjoy doing the show. Um, it's just a lot of fun to do. So yeah, God, Andy's done national interviews from off script. Uh, I got right. you're right. We've seen like exclusive screenings from this show. Um, here's here's to another two hundred. Here's another five hundred. Hope we do the show forever. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I think that just about wraps God, 200. We are out next week uh, for the new year. We'll be coming back strong January 2nd. Andy, what are we going to be watching then? Uh, we're going to be watching Babylon, uh, which is a big Oscar contender. Uh, that comes out this Friday uh, in, in exclusively in theaters. And also The Whale, which is Brendan uh, Fraser's long-awaited uh, performance and kind of return to serious drama. That's uh out today the the 21st also only in theaters babylon we babylon might have made our top 10 we don't know i've heard heard kind of divisive things heard it's great heard it's okay um but it came out too late in the year so um we'll see how babylon does it's also as long as avatar somehow yeah i was really surprised to see babylon it's over three hours um We'll see. I, I've seen really mixed reviews on that on Twitter. I remember after after early screening, some people got on there and they were like, Chazelle's greatest work. Like easily easily an evolution of his of his format. Like so excited to see him back on screen. Welcome back. Other people are like, he's lost it. <laughs> the man's lost the touch. He doesn't know what he's doing anymore. It's a it's a mess. We'll find out. Uh and I'm excited to see the whale. I I, I think I'm surprised that movie is two hours. Both these movies I'm surprised they're longer than I thought they were gonna be. Uh, you know, let Brendan Fraser. Hopefully, hopefully we can support him in some fashion. If you want to support us, if you like what we're doing here at Offscript, if you enjoyed our episode or any of our previous episodes, you want to be involved in the next episode or the episode after that or however long we're going to keep doing it, which I hope is, you know, really long time. Uh, the best way you can do that is to subscribe to the show on your favorite social media platform and or podcast platform. Probably, probably podcast would be the best. You can follow us on social media if you like. But for podcasting, you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, on Google Play, Spotify, iHeartMedia, all the usual podcast places. I think you can even subscribe on uh, your Amazon devices, those those Alexa things. You know, you could you could you could tell them, hey, I want to subscribe to Oscar Film Review, and I think she can do it. It's a, it's a new thing for the show. Not sure. Should probably test that before I advertise it on the show. Uh, you can follow us on social media. You can follow us on Facebook, where we live stream the show every Tuesday around uh, like five o'clock, except for today because I had a thing going on. I'm really sorry. <laughs> You can check out our website, offscriptfilmreview.com. You can send us correspondence, mail at offscriptfilmreview.com. We're on Twitter. We're on Instagram. You can DM us. You can you can find us at offscriptfilmreview. Uh, we're around, and we're excited to keep talking about movies, especially into 2023, where I think there's going to be even more bangers coming down the pipe. So from all of us at Offscript Film Review, thank you for 200 episodes. Really, thanks. And uh, from all of us at Offscript Film Review, I'm Zach Lewis. And I'm Dr. Draper. Thanks for watching.